It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, August 31st, the last day of August, as we get ready to transition into uh, what looks to be a busy September as well. The LA Galaxy win against San Jose, back-to-back rivalry games, back-to-back wins for the LA Galaxy. Uh, they get a 3-2 win, a come-from-behind victory over the San Jose Earthquake. So we're going to talk about that. Um, there's still some things to clean up from Wednesday's boycott a game, so I'm sure we'll touch on a couple of issues there as well. And of course, the Galaxy getting ready to travel up to Portland midweek on Wednesday uh, to take on Portland Timbers. So uh, a lot of games coming very rapidly here. We have a bunch of information to get to. Helping us out to do that, as always, is the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy? All right, how are you? I'm, you know, I'm hanging in there. I got air conditioning in this in this room now, but it's so cold I had to turn it off and close the windows. So you know, but it, yeah. You also have a lot of people in your house, and you're not wearing a mask. That is correct. Yes, yes. we have family members who quarantined Would you like to before they. That? Yeah, we have family members who quarantined before they came here, so they're visiting, and so now they're here, and then whenever they go back, they will go back and quarantine at their place again. So got to do what you got to do, Kevin. Got to, got to, got to sort of judge and weigh every situation that you come into. It's not one size fits all for everything. I'm perfect. I was perfectly happy going to the LA Galaxy game, knowing where we were standing, seeing how they had us set up. I thought it was an excellent setup. I liked the view from the corner. There was a whole bunch. Of, it was a weird, it was weird being there without any fans. It was weird watching a game that was a regular season game without any fans. But overall, it was a pretty safe experience as far as I could tell. I, I, I enjoyed it. My favorite part was after the first uh, San Jose goal, which was very early. Um, you could hear it was down on our end of the field, and you could hear David Bingham's uh, four-letter word um, reaction to that goal as he was trying to, uh, shall we say, encourage his defenders to do better next time. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's very intimate. You can hear it. You can hear coaches yell. Um, by the way, you know, it's it, it. I don't know if it made it into anybody's story. I think I even cut it out of my story only because I just couldn't get a proper place to flow in there. But it wasn't played without fans, Kevin. There were two or three people there, and, and we think they were family members of one player or another who were sitting in an upstairs box, um, you know, away from everybody else. Um, so there was like, I think there were two or three people up there who, who were cheering on. So there was. We, we thought one of them might have been uh, Chicharito. <laughs> Might have been Chicharito. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it was Chicharito, well, but yeah, no, that was here's a- here, here's the deal. I've been told that there is a limit to the number of people uh, allowed in the stadium, and that includes everyone. I saw two two police officers. Uh, who, why they were there, I have no idea what that was all about. And maybe there's some sort of rule that they have to be police officers there. I mean, I get it when there's fans, but there's no fans, so there's there's a limit. The ca- TV cameramen, the players, the coaches, the mm-hmm. referees. Um, you know, there are security guards around. Uh, there were a number of security guards there, plus the police officers, uh, plus the media. That, that includes cameramen and sound people and, and everybody else. Anyway, my point is uh, I, an AEG official came over, one of their front office type guys, not a Galaxy guy, an AEG corporate guy, came over with his wife after the game to say hello. And then we saw someone who may or might not have been Chicharito and some people who may or might not have been Jonah Dos Santos's family. Um, I'm wondering what the uh, 
what, what the, limit the limit is. Uh, can you, can you, I think the limit somewhere around 300. So does that mean if you get to 280, once you've accounted for the media, the players, the coach, all, all the, the people that need to be there, if you're at 280, can you then just go, Hey, Dan Starris, what's your wife doing tomorrow? Would you like to come out to the game? Yeah. Oh, she can't make it. How about Julian Araujo? Would your mom like to come? Is right. that how they fill out the 300? Yeah. First of all, it would be Dan Starris fiance. Cause he's not married yet. Um, okay. and, and secondly, I Maybe mean, I know something you don't know. Yeah, yeah no, not yet. Um, just a, a dog. They have a dog. Yes, his name is Remington. These these are easy things to like find out whenever you go online, Kevin. This isn't these aren't these aren't like you know breaking news stories that, that you're breaking. But no, um, it, it I'm gonna be honest. It doesn't matter in this in a space that big outside where we were. The risk was so low that you could have had. Honestly, if you put a thousand fans in the stadium there, do you think that would be a problem? Oh, don't give them any ideas. I, no, I'm, no, I, I don't think it would be. But I haven't thought a lot of these things were problems. I mean, you know, it, it, it the the serendipity of this thing, and that's probably not the right word, but just the way that it it just seems to bounce around. You know, uh, everybody's probably read the story. Uh, in the times about my colleague, Bill Plasky, who did everything right uh, for the entire uh, time of the virus, four months in, he's done everything right. He's avoided crowds. He's worn the mask and he goes to dinner at one, one time with a couple of friends, people that he knows well, socially distanced without a mask on because you can't eat with the mask on and he gets COVID and it uh, apparently was, was really bad. And then there's other people who, you know, airline stewardesses or I guess they're flight attendants, uh, flight attendants. Thank you. I'm sorry. I I knew you would get me for that one. Yep. Um, Remington's name was one thing, but boy, that was another one. Uh, Anyway, they're on the planes all the time with all kinds of people that are going through airports and yeah, I know that some of them gotten sick, but then there, I'm sure there are flight attendants that have done dozens and dozens of flights and haven't gotten sick. So it, it's yeah. it's hard to say. Yes, you want to say a 1,000 or 2,000 or 5,000 people could be in that stadium and not get infected. And then you don't know. Two people might come in and one of them goes home sick. It, yeah. It's just so hard to tell. Well, I mean, that's how it is. I mean, it, you know, first of all, uh, I, you can't tell who has it, who doesn't have it. We know that. So, you know, you're sort of, you're, you're, you're risking. I, I, I understood what I was doing when I was going to the stadium. I was, it was taking a risk. You had to sign that voucher too. Yeah, I had, I, voucher, but yeah, I had to sign form. Yeah, I had to sign a form. We had to have our temperatures taken. Uh, we had to be escorted to the area where we were at. Uh, Geo took care of that, so we appreciate that from him. Um, so yeah, he dropped us off in in that area, and then when we were in that area, you know, for the most part, reporters did a pretty good job of of maintaining some distance, and everybody had their masks on. And you know, you're outside, and there's a nice breeze blowing, and it's like, okay, this is this is about as safe as you could probably make it in these circumstances. I understand there's a risk. There's a risk to everything. Um, you know, there's a risk when you get in your car. Um, I'm not saying that those are equal risks, by the way. You just have to judge what is safe and what is good for you, and try to do the best you can. I don't want to get anybody sick. I don't want to get, you know, I have a, I have a baby here, so I certainly don't want to get anybody sick. Uh, my wife did everything right. We all did everything right. And apparently she still got it. So, um, you know, we've talked about it before. She tested positive for the antibodies, but realistically we, we can, we can pinpoint some symptoms that probably swept through the house, but they're, they were very minor and we got very lucky, but my wife isn't the one who goes into the office every day like me. Um, so, you know, it's just all these different things, but you know, going to the game, 
being where we were at and they put us in that um, southwest corner um, sort of on the concourse where the big bar is right there. Unfortunately, the bar was not open, but uh, we were all sitting right there um, standing, which was even nice. You could stand or sit sort of on the terrace level where they have all the bar standing areas. Um, so we could do that. And it was it worked great. I mean, I had a decent enough view of the field. Sure, it wasn't midfield up high, but that's life and I can live with that. Um, and it was a weird sort of wonderful experience. I said everybody on uh, on Instagram, Kevin, I said, I reassure you, the stadium is there. And it will be ready for you whenever you come back. And it's just as wonderful as you remembered. Because, you know, for for me, I love watching live soccer, getting a chance to go there. And I feel extremely privileged to be able to do it was to, to go there and watch that game um, and and to watch live soccer and to be able to report and do things. And it was just um, one of the Galaxy uh, members asked me, they're like, hey, what could we do better? And I'm like, honestly, I go, I thought it was really good and I really enjoyed it. And I don't think I have any complaints, mostly because I was just happy to be back doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which is, you know, covering the galaxy, watching the games, uh, you know, being able to analyze it in real time. I don't have, a, you know, some announcer in my head trying to like, you know, sway different things and they see things differently than I do. A whole bunch of stuff. It was nice to just be there and be able to do it. And the galaxy put on one heck of an entertaining game, to say the least. Um, so it was an exciting game, even whenever you look at that. Uh, so all those things sort of added up to just, you know, sort of being a wonderful day for me. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, everything went, I think about as smoothly as you could ask and the galaxy, you know, sort of picked up a little momentum again and, and, and got a win. So for me, it was a, it was a good day just to be able to, to see all that and cover all that. But by the way, you mentioned early on that, uh, you know, you take a risk when you get in your car and that just got me thinking, What's the difference between wearing a seatbelt and wearing a mask? I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. they're both laws. They're both designed to protect you. Um, but yet some people are just flipping out over the well, mask well, and they, do, they do run wanna, to their cars and seatbelt up. Do you want to know what the difference is? This is this is the difference, right? I don't care if you don't wear a seatbelt because if you don't wear a seatbelt, the only person you're going to hurt is you for the most part. That's generally true. When you don't wear a mask, you affect me. That's where the yeah. difference is. Well, yeah, that I'm, I'm just, just people flipping out over being asked to wear a mask and they accept the, the I'm sure seatbelt. I'm sure people flipped out in what the 60s and 70s whenever they started mandating seatbelts um, as well. We just we just weren't there. Wasn't social media. There wasn't Twitter around. All right. So you couldn't hear. I can't believe there. This is my body. I can do what I want with my seatbelt. I mean, I can imagine the arguments. So um, but m- yeah. my, my reflections on what happened. uh First of all, I, I thought the Galaxy did a good job. Um, I, I, I thought our setup, I thought they were very creative in using what is the bar tops for people stand and watch the games with their drinks, using that as sort of the media area. They didn't have to construct something like the Dodgers had to do uh, when they put the media in the stands at Dodger Stadium. The Galaxy were able to take what they had and use it, and I thought that was very creative. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought I had good space. The only thing was when they turned the stadium lights off, uh, it was hard to see for the old timers like me. Um, but I liked a lot of the things they did because other stadiums, like in Orlando, they tried at some point at some times to try to replicate a game. Like when the teams walked onto the field, they walked onto the field in the same formation with the referees between them. And they played that song. They always play. Um, they didn't do introductions or take the team photos, but they sort of recreated the entrance. The galaxy didn't do that. The galaxy team walked on the field, went over to their bench, San Jose walked on the field. The referees got on the field. However, they did. It was they didn't come on in formation. They they did the the introduction of the starting lineup during the warmups, so as to not slow down the start of the game. I assume it was very creative too. I don't know how much of that you could see at home on TV, but um, they had Michael Araujo uh, record the names of the names numbers of the players. So, for instance, he would say it's starting at midfield number seventeen, Sebastian, and then Sebastian Lejet's family on a Zoom call would yell out his last name which got us to 
Daniel Sturris's uh, fiance and the aforementioned uh, Remington, Remington, who yes. was part of that. Um, I thought that was good too. And they, and again, they did it during warm They didn't try to make it seem like it was a real, like it was a game. They didn't try to imitate stuff. LAFC did that, and I, I don't think it came off very well. The other thing I liked is they didn't make the crowd noise try to sound like it was a real game. Other teams have done that, LAFC being one that tried to make the crowd noise sound like they were reacting to the actions on the field. Um, I thought, the, in my mind, the Galaxy fan noise sounded more, not even like a soundtrack, which is how it sounded at LAFC. It sounded like kind of dull white noise, like you might listen to while you're working out on the treadmill or something, just... Uh, no background noise. The noise was there, so it you couldn't hear the voices echoing off the stands all that much, and it wasn't, you know, super quiet. But it wasn't so loud where it tried to imitate the sounds of twenty five thousand people. Yeah, I thought that was really well done too. The the one thing I did miss though, and it was more not so much for me, but for the players, was they did not have a live stadium announcer announcing substitutions or goals and, and cautions and those kind of things. And it's not a big deal, but I'm sure if, if Joanna Rajo scores his first goal or, uh, you know, something like that, half Gordon Wilde does something and, you know, ha- has an assist, I'm sure those guys would love to hear their names called over the loudspeakers. And they're, they're just, it's just not going to happen because of the 300 people allowed in the stadium, one of them apparently is not a public address announcer. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. You know, I can't even, you did a much better job of paying attention than I did. Um, I'll say that from... One of the great debacles of this particular game was the fact that most people did not get to watch it, Kevin, and I saw it all over my social media over and over and over again, and this was Spectrum Sportsnet was supposed to have the game, uh, but it was on an overflow Spectrum channel because the Lakers were playing um, in their playoff uh, win. I think they they won and wrapped up their series uh, just a little bit before the LA Galaxy kicked off, and so they had all the coverage of that, so there was not a... um, It didn't actually wrap up. It was wrapped up during the game, so uh, they couldn't have the Galaxy on there but the the failure to get this game in front of fans who want to watch it is is really starting to take a toll and we've talked about this before when you look at spectrum and that deal uh it's still a really good deal for the la galaxy because it's like five million dollars uh per year five point something actually per year um and it's a it's a very large contract and i guarantee you the la galaxy don't want to give up the five million dollars that comes in um for their tv uh package every year but the problem with that is that with spectrum and it was time warner cable um with with spectrum taking over and doing this stuff is that you know things have been gutted in that in that department so um there's very rarely any deep coverage of the la galaxy on the channel it's bare bones anymore it's get to start the game the game goes the game's over and you know there's relatively little there outside of the studio shows uh that talk about the lakers and the dodgers and and also cover the galaxy on occasion um so the the effort into the online portals and the effort into making sure that that game was available to people just wasn't there um and i know that the la galaxy are frustrated by it uh but are you know the question is are they are they five million dollars frustrated kevin and right now um i don't think they're five million dollars frustrated they're going to keep taking that money uh when it comes in and you know they will have a new uh tv deal i think this expires at the end of 2021 so 2022 um I believe is whenever it it comes open and that's whenever uh, Major League Soccer has said you're not allowed to renew any local broadcast past that 2022 mark because it seems like they're trying to package something and put something together. So we'll see what ends up happening with the LA Galaxy and how that goes. But, you know, at the beginning of that deal, it was a really good deal. There was a lot of excitement, a lot of things coming behind it with Time Warner Cable and what they were going to do. And they had 
you know, studio and they had a galaxy town hall that I got invited to. Uh, the guys who were on the, the Deportes size of Time Warner Cable Deportes um, were amazing and they drove so many interesting, um, you know, initiatives that ended up overflowing onto the English side as well. So there was a lots of excitement there. But if you look at that, you know, 10 year deal, roughly the, the, the technology has changed now, Kevin, if I can't watch a game on my phone, something's wrong. And right now with the, with what time, with what spectrum is putting out there, um, it's, it's, it's lacking. Um, and it's probably past time for it to go away. But again, for $5 million, I don't think the LA galaxy are going to force that anytime soon. Well, you know, the Dodgers muddled through several years without the majority of their fans in Southern California being able to watch the games. Um, you know, that was a tragic mistake and everyone thought that it would, you know, really hurt the team. And it doesn't seem to have done that. But here's the big issue with this game is this is the first home game back since March. You know, they played in Florida, certainly. But the first game at at at, at home since March, uh, M- MLS is trying to make a big deal of this return to market thing. Um, everybody wants to see their team play in their home stadium. Um, and, you know, they're coming off one of the biggest wins uh, of the GBS era. And you can't go to the game. It'd be one thing if... You know, the 27,000 hardcore supporters were there, right. but they can't go to the game. Right. Um, and, you know, the Victoria stand is empty. So these hardcore fans that want to watch this game, they can't. And that's where it's really bad. I mean, I think you could maybe excuse them a little bit by saying, yeah, everybody who, who you know, is going to die if they don't get to see this game, they're there. Uh, and it's just the casual fan that are at home. But in, in this case... This was their only way to see it, and it wasn't there for them. And I think that's a huge missed opportunity for the Galaxy and, by extension, for MLS. Yeah, well, and then you can't complain that the ratings are crap whenever people are dying to see your 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 game. Because I would imagine that just on my timeline, probably 200 to 300 people were scrambling to try to find this game. Uh, now, that's a small little snapshot of things, and it's not the real world. I understand that. Maybe that's the total number. Maybe I captured everybody who was trying to find it. I, it's unlikely that was the case. Um, but seeing this is you, you can't drum up even the support for this if it's not going to be on TV. And again, um, you know, it's just it's the end of a, of a good deal for the LA Galaxy. There was a lot of money. It's a good deal. It's still a good deal. The problem is that the technology has gone away and Spectrum doesn't seem to have any interest in extending that deal, nor would I think they would. Um, and they don't have any need to sort of put in the technology that would allow people to be able to watch this game. How are you not streaming this game somewhere? And listen, I know that there were about 30 different illegal streams. And normally I'm like, hey, don't do that. You know, you're trying you're, you hurt things whenever you do that. But at the same time, I'm like, find this game however you want. They've made it so difficult. One of the reasons I was glad I was at the game, Kevin, was so I didn't have to try to find it on TV. We have Larry Morgan who doesn't get Spectrum, who cannot watch the games. Larry would cover this game coming up on Wednesday, and he's already texted me and said, hey, listen, I can't get it. Uh, he used to go to Buffalo Wild Wings in order to watch it whenever it was on. Uh, that's not an option right now. So Larry can't watch the, these games. A reporter who wants to cover it, um, who would cover it for our site and add something very intelligent, like he always does, um, would want to do it, and he can't do it because he can't watch the game. There's, there's no way to make that happen. It doesn't get Spectrum and doesn't get Twitter. Wow. Yeah, I know. Well, and and here here's another bigger issue, though. I think with this whole thing, is, uh, you know, I mean, let's let's just be honest. I know the people listening to this podcast are hardcore supporters, yes. and they don't have any, uh, you know, they don't have to be sold on how great the game is and and how good the Galaxy are to watch. But soccer is still in this country is still in that phase where the growth is going to depend on 
grabbing the casual fan. Okay. And so now we're in a situation where it's a pandemic. People are not going to the movie theaters. For the most part, they're not going to the beach. They're not going out to eat. They're not doing those things. What are they doing? They're captive at home with their, 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 uh, you know, channel changer thing in their hand, sitting there uh, on a Saturday night watching TV. Someone's going to flip across that Galaxy game, stop on it, watch it, and have a good time, and an enjoyable time, and say, I need to check this out in person. I, I guarantee you that would happen if people could see the game. That was, as you mentioned, a hugely entertaining game. you got a captive audience at home. Uh, remember, NASCAR became a huge fan favorite when there was a very exciting Daytona 500 one year when the, the uh, Northeast was socked in by a storm. Everybody was home. They had to watch NASCAR. It, it got NASCAR tens of thousands of fans. I think the same holds true for MLS and the Galaxy. People at home watching the game, they're going to tune in the NFL game. They're going to check out the Dodgers, but they find the Galaxy by accident. Many of these casual fans, they would have totally enjoyed this game think you would have got a lot of converts but you couldn't find it even people looking for it couldn't find it so how are you going to find it by accident yeah it's it's hey it was like i said it was a it was a disaster i know i know the the la galaxy's uh, media team was trying to work overtime to try to help people find it and there's just there was no i was trying to do as much as i could as well and there was very little i could do to help people out um so whenever people got streams they were out there and they were retweeted and it was good to go um let's get to the game though because it was an exciting game gbs puts out a repeat lineup Kevin, um, so the same team that beat LAFC 2 nothing came out and beat the San Jose Earthquakes 3-2. to two. Uh, That included David Bingham in goal, Felcher, Steras, uh, Depew, and Sue on defense, Kitchen and Corona in the midfield, Araujo, Leggett, Pavone, and Zubak. Really, the only change here is Sasha Kleshin was injured, uh, did not play in this game, and was not available on the bench. Uh, the starting lineup stayed the same. Kleshin came in off the bench uh, against LAFC. Uh, whenever Jonathan Dos Santos was on the bench, he eventually got into this game and played as well. Um, you had Efrain Alvarez, who made a big impact. I, I think if you want to jump up and down and, and scream and say, I never thought this day would come, uh, Guillermo Barrascoleto, Kevin, used four subs. The, he only he only had one sub left in reserve, and he used four subs, uh, which is almost unheard of for GBS. So, uh, you know, another, another one of those fun things to sort of take a look at. Um, the LA Galaxy outshot San Jose. They did not outpossess San Jose, but they outpassed San Jose. There's so many sort of little interesting things just looking at the stats. Uh, the, the possession was almost even, but the LA Galaxy really did do um, a much better job in terms of uh, the number of passes that they uh, took uh, took over. Um, actually, they didn't even outpass San Jose. San Jose had more passes. It was it was borderline at one point, and I was looking at that. So it's 341 to 384 passes. The passing accuracy was the same. The possession 52 to 48. Um, you know, the duels one was almost even. A lot of these stats tell you that this game was very very even, Kevin. And I'm here to tell you that that game was not close. It was close in terms of score. It was not close in terms of play for me. I thought the LA Galaxy dominated dominated San Jose almost more than they dominated LAFC, and San Jose put up a much bigger fight. Uh, just the goals that were allowed were were very good goals taken by San Jose. So I was very impressed with the defensive play in this game. I was impressed by Julian Araujo, who continues to blow my mind with what some of the stuff that, to, to steal a line from Giossi's artist. He, he Julian Araujo is out there blowing my mind. Um, was the stuff that he was able to do. And not only that, but the responsibility that Guillermo Barrascoloto is giving him right now. Um, Christian Pavone is so much better than this league. It's it's scary. 
Um, but, you know, you look at some of these things that came in this game, you know, goals from Daniel Starris, Christian Pavone, Sebastian Legette, uh, all three coming technically from set pieces, a penalty kick for Christian Pavone, who got unlucky and probably should have scored two or three goals on the night. Uh, Sebastian Legette put in the game winner. Daniel Starris hit one off his back that was still a great ball in in a dangerous situation. Uh, you look at how this goes, and I, I looked at the expected goals on this one, uh, the game flow, uh, and sort of looked at the, what, what that looked like. It was 3.17 expected goals for the Galaxy to 0.66 goals to the San Jose Earthquake. So, um, you know, we talked about holding LAFC, I think, to about a half a goal on their expected uh, goals. Uh, and here they did about the same with San Jose, but San Jose had two really good low percentage shots that went in. Um, and so that's really what it came from. And the first one was their most dangerous one. So uh, the Galaxy go down a goal, Kevin. They come back. They go down a goal. They come back. Uh, throughout that game, I never thought the Galaxy were going to lose that game. They just seemed to have a, have a mission uh, there to, to make sure that they beat San Jose. Well, a couple of things. San Jose was actually favored, fairly heavily favored in this game. So it, it, technically it was an upset if you it, you know take the word of the odds makers. But what I liked about the Galaxy is, as you said, they didn't give up. They they you know came back twice. It's one thing to come back from deficit once, but they did it twice. Um, and they were opportunistic. This was an opportunistic and uh, in some ways ingenious uh, Galaxy team, something that we haven't seen much of. You know, in those Latin years, it was pretty much brute strength. Um, this they were in, in ingenious in ways, and by that I mean yes, they scored on th- the three set pieces that you as you mentioned. But Pavone's the only one that put the ball in with his feet or with his head. You know, he used his foot in his case. Um, the Daniel Starris goal. Daniel Starris had his back to the goal, was leaping, hit the ball with his shoulder, and deflected it in. Uh, the Sebastian Lejet goal came off his chest. He couldn't even get his hands up. He would have hit, been called for a handball, but couldn't get his hands up and couldn't get his feet down. Um, just got in front of the ball and just kind of used his body to deflect it in. I think it actually did go in off a San Jose defender, but the ball would have gone in if the defender wasn't there. Um, so that was, you know, those were good signs. The other thing is, if you remember, Guillermo accused the team two or three times in, in Florida of quitting. And I saw their three games there. Um, I get what he's saying. I don't know that they quit, but I know that they didn't play hard for 90 minutes. That's for sure. The last two games they played here um, against LAFC and now San Jose, they pressed from the start. They played really hard the whole game. They were tireless. The work rate, everybody's work rate was was very high. Uh, the defense held their shape. I think Nick Dupuy playing now in, 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 in place of people, I think that's a change. You know, People got so many second chances because he's such a favorite of Guillermo. Uh, Dupuy has taken that job now. He's going to be there. He's the starting center back. Um, uh, Gonzalez will be on the bench. That adds their depth. I think Sebastian Legette now having a position um, in the center of the midfield, I think that's helped him. He has two goals and an assist in the last two games. Um, you know, that's been a big change for him. As you mentioned, Araujo, he's a defender. They move him up on the wing. Um, I'm not so sure Yanni Gonzalez comes in and starts right away. I think Araujo is playing really good. And, you know, one thing that, that uh, Guillermo talked about is not wanting to change the lineup right now because right. it's working. Uh, another thing that he said today, uh, they had media availability today, and and Guillermo was asked about the difference. Joe Corona talked about when they came back from Florida, everyone took a deep breath. Um, uh, you know, uh, Julian Araujo talked about looking in the mirror and challenging themselves. I think Zubek talked about that. Guillermo said, beyond just playing well, since we've come back from Florida, we talked about maintaining character and pushing for results in videos. You can see how well we did, but it, it, we didn't get the results. Now we've changed a couple of things. I think he probably means legit and, and maybe Dupuy. He said, we've changed a couple of things. And with that character, 
the good things are more noticeable. And it's it's very interesting that he talked this week about character because when you come back from a deficit not once but twice and win the game when the ball goes in off one of your players' chest, um, that's a character win. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and it's you know I I hesitate always to use the the term like fight and heart, right? Um, but there's a determination, and there's been a determination in these last two games to not lose. Right, it's it's like the worst thing in the world is for us to lose, and I'll do anything to make sure that it doesn't. That they, that you don't. It's that competitive fire that sort of you know breathes inside each and every person, and it needs to come together in every team if they're going to be uh, successful. And and you're starting to see that from this LA Galaxy team. Not only that, let's talk about some of these offensive moves that are being made as well. This is not ugly soccer, Kevin. This isn't just like whacking the ball forward and doing things. There are good moves. There are dummies. There are give and goes. There is quick. Passing. I mean, at one point, the LA Galaxy were just ping, 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 ping in terms of passing. And, you know, that goes back to some of the Tiki Taco stuff that we've seen from the LA Galaxy possibly in 2014. They're not at that level yet. I'm not saying they are. But what you're seeing is an understanding of how each other moves, how each other, where each other is supposed to be. Um, and there's some uh, solidity, they sort of solidified, you know, all these positions for people and everybody knows what their role is and where that, where they are. Um, and, and it's about giving guys, you know, chances to be, to be good and to be great in this. Um, you know, even the subs that came in, I thought the subs were very, very good in this. Efrain Alvarez was, had a really good game coming in. Um, you know, he, he, as, as, uh, as Guillermo said, uh, you know, he came in when we were losing and, and whenever he went off the field, we were winning and he was a reason for that. I thought he played very well. I thought some of his passing was good. I mean, this is, these are the, these are the steps that you want to see. 62nd minute sub for Rolf Felcher. By the way, Rolf Felcher on a yellow card, Julian Rahm on a yellow card whenever they make the sub Kevin they make the sub and Guillermo says Rolf you need to come by and by the way Julian Araujo I trust you to be on a yellow card and play right back and that's how we closed out the game and he was uh, so physical um, San Jose at one point I think he baited a pass into somebody he was basically saying I'm going to leave this open just a little bit uh, Julian Araujo I'm going to leave this open just a little bit go ahead and make the pass right because if you make that pass I'm going to close down on it so fast you're going to see me coming and you're going to get out of the way and he baited the pass and the pass came in and he took off at it and this is you know later in the game whenever you need to kill these types of plays off and the San Jose attacker literally pulled out of the attack was like I'm not going anywhere near that and, and Araujo got to the ball, shut it down, and you could just see there was like, no, I'm not, I'm not getting in that challenge. I'm not doing it. the The physicality of the defense, whether it's Depew, uh, by the way, Kevin Depew, not Depuy, Depew. Um, it, whether it's Depew, whether it's Araujo, um, whether it's Dan Stairs. Yeah, Remington, exactly. Whether Remington also on the field, um, you know, it, it, all of these guys, even in Sua, the defense is suddenly this physical, you know, uh, foreboding. Uh, shape you don't want to go near it and that's what these guys have done and they're doing it fairly they're not doing it cheaply but you saw it against lafc the physicality wrecked lafc every time they would come through that same thing happened in san jose they came in here they got two goals in this game uh don't let the goals sort of throw you off of what the defense did in this they're upset they gave up those two goals that's fine but at the same time you go back and look at the chances david bingham was tested four times so um, that was it. He had to make two saves and the other two went in the goal. Not not great, but also both of those were, were placed really well um, shots. So the defense has a an identity. Perry Kitchen steps up and has an identity in his. I thought Joe Corona did okay, a little quiet in this game. We talked about Pavone being great. I think Zubak has been great. He's missed some things you would hope that somebody who was 
more experienced would score, Kevin. But at the same time, the hold-up play, the ideas of where to run, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous now just in terms of if, Ch- if and when Chicharito comes back. What do you do with Zubak? Because Zubak does things that I don't think Chicharito can do in terms of the hold-up play um, and maybe even in terms of some of the energy that you're doing. So things are going to change a little bit whenever Chicharito comes in. Things may change whenever Jonathan Dos Santos has a more permanent role there. And whether or not that could be against Portland is, is certainly a question. It may be time for Jonathan Dos Santos to start, even though it's on turf. Uh, no, I don't think he's. I, I think that'd be a huge mistake. The games are coming too fast. I wouldn't start him. I would take him and I'd maybe play him, but I wouldn't start him on the turf. Well, not with the injuries coming back from Guillermo was sort of very clear on this. He goes, we know we have some games on turf. It is what it is. I mean, that was what he was talking about today. He was like, yeah, we have games on turf. We know that everybody knows it. all the players know. We know we have to play. He's not using that as an excuse to not play people. Um, he was also a little bullish in terms of um, or I should say a little bearish in terms of, um, you know, whether or not he was going to play Jonathan Dos Santos to start or whether, you know, he was going to sort of check in with him and see where he was at. Um, so there's there's a whole bunch of things to sort of look at with that. But these are all questions that the, the continuity that you've had from, you know, basically keeping similar lineups now for about three games because Houston sort of started that defensive transition. Um, and now you've seen it in these last two games. So, you know, how do they take that up to Portland and what happens? But for me, I've been really impressed. It isn't time to say that the old LA Galaxy doesn't exist because I think they can exist. Uh, but, you know, whenever I looked at these six games coming up, I said it would be difficult for the LA Galaxy in my mind, whenever you looked at the games, to get more than two points. And the LA Galaxy have six points through two games of the six. Um, so, that, I mean, you know, one, what do I know? Uh, but two, this team has turned a corner in the last two games. That doesn't mean that they, you know, don't lay an egg against Portland. In fact, Portland seems like a good game to let down. Um, just because you're of the travel issues playing on turf, uh, Portland's going to be all amped up after they blew um, a 4-2 lead in the 90th minute. So, um, you know, there's going to be some... All the protesters there? All, well, I mean, certainly in that location. Um, I don't know if it's all over. I, talking to my friends in Portland, it's certainly not all over. It's in a very located central area. Um, so, you know, I don't think that affects them. Larry was texting me about that today. He's like, oh, do you think the protests? I, got, I don't think it's going to overall affect things, but it could. Don't know. Um, so we look at that. But yeah, I mean, this Galaxy team right now is playing good, attractive soccer. They're being smart. It's a team sport and they're acting like a team. All of the things point in the direction of saying, okay, you can start being op- more optimistic about this team. If they, Kevin, if they take a step back, you have to question even if you're capable of playing the way that you played the last two games. And I think the San Jose game was a much more difficult game for them than the LAFC game. I think San Jose plays, as everybody says, you know, a weird scheme. Uh, they try to confuse people and the Galaxy did a pretty good job, gave up two goals. They're going to they're gonna fix that problem. Um, but, you know, you look at that, that there's something to be optimistic about. And now there's a bar and an expectation that's being set. And I think these guys feel like, at least talking to them, it feels like to me, Kevin, they're in the correct headspace to finally be able to tackle that mentality. Yeah, that's why I thought this game was was a, a key game. And you and I talked going into this six game stretch where, you know, four of the six games were against teams that had won trophies in the last ten months. And LAFC with the Supporters Shield, Seattle with the MLS Cup that that game was postponed um, because of the events of last week. And then uh, Portland just won the MLS's back tournament. Um, this was a key game. They beat LAFC. They were totally geeked up for that game. I actually expected a letdown against San Jose because they were so geeked up for that LAFC game. I didn't think they could maintain that. This was uh, one of those tweener games, sort of the bounce back game where you kind of, you don't expect a letdown, but you understand if it happens. It didn't happen. It, uh, arguably, they played as well, if not better, right. against San Jose. So, you know, we talked about them potentially going 
winless in the six game stretch and and two games into it they've already got two wins um you know you talked about uh bingham facing four shots going forward i think what you're going to say defensively from uh, the galaxy is the defense the, the defensive scheme is not to give up shots to right. possess the ball maybe not own the possession but to to possess it in a way that when it gets turned over, it's deep in the other end so that there are not shots. They don't want Bingham making five and six and seven shots a game or facing that many um, saves a game or facing that many shots. They want the ball at the other end. They want the ball in the midfield. They don't want to give up shots. So in that sense, if he's facing four shots, two of them go in. Um, that, that looks like a bad ratio, but you know, if you're facing four shots a game, you, you got to figure Bingham's going to make three of those saves. So that's a, you know, that's a pretty good, uh, stat. You can live with that going forward. Um, you talk about being positive. I know a lot of the supporters are down on Chicharito right now, but, uh, I, I thought he played a good game as his last one in Florida. I think he's starting to maybe figure things out a little bit. I do kind of wonder about his fitness. Um, I think that this long layoff, um, and not training, you know, uh, with the team every day, is probably not uh, conducive to to him right now. But if he comes back, I mean, we're still talking about the leading goal scorer in the history of the Mexican national team, a guy who played at Manchester United and thrived in the in the Bundesliga and played in in you know La Liga. He's still a good player. So what what I'm saying is, when he comes back, it's like you you signed a player of Chicharito's caliber. We still haven't seen Cameron Dunbar since Florida, right? At least right. not in a big role. We know what he can do. Uh, I thought uh, Gordon Wilde was pretty good when he got a chance to play. So, uh, you know, there is reason to be optimistic because the 11 guys in the field are getting it done. We still haven't seen, uh, you know, Jonah play a significant role yet. We know that that's going to happen. We still haven't seen Chicharito play since Florida. And then you have Dunbar and Gordon Wilde. Gordon Wilde didn't even suit up in the last game. So I think there is a lot of reason to be optimistic. And what, a week or 10 days ago, uh, you and I were both thinking they were going to go through the stretch winless. So yeah. the things have changed. It feels like they've changed. And, and talking to everybody, it seems that way. Um, you know, Christian Pavone, though, continues to do just ridiculous things. Um, he has he has 16 goals and 18. Uh, let's see, that was Sebastian Legette. I was going to go with that one. But no, uh, Christian Pavone has uh, seven goals and 11 assists in 18 games for the club. So he's averaging a goal or an assist every game. Um, which is a ridiculous thing, especially when you look at the you know the designated players. Kevin, we've talked about it. The designated players matter in Major League Soccer. We see it all over the place. When you have healthy designated players, for the most part, you should have a a, a pretty good team. Uh, you have designated players who are injured. Uh, it's going to be a struggle, and we've seen this with the LA Galaxy. They've struggled without their designated players, whether it was Ramon Alessandrini, Giovanni Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos. However, it happens. Um, you know, Chicharito. Uh, however, you look at this, it, it matters, and so right. Right now, I have the total of the percentage of minutes played so far for the D- DPs in 2020. Um, and basically, it comes down to 52.8% of the minutes available have been played by designated players. Um, that means that, uh, by the way, Christian Pavone has played every minute of every game. Duh, we've seen that. Uh, you have Jonathan Dos Santos, who has only played 15.6% of the total minutes available to him. And right now, you have Javier Hernandez at 42.9% uh, of the total total minutes available. So getting those guys back, while you always worry that it's going to mess up some chemistry and tweak some things, um, it should make this team that's developing and getting better it should in theory make them even a more dangerous team um did you I, say P- pavone's played every minute every minute yes yes christian Pavone, 630 total minutes 630 total minutes played that was that's it. good coaching right there that's it <laughs> i mean hey listen it's like zlatan right does zlatan played pretty much every minute that he was available to play okay that was it was like duh you know you gotta you gotta get him out there and he has to make yeah, a difference but- 
Pavone, Pavone occasionally gets within shouting distance of David Bingham at the other end. Um, I don't think Zlatan ever met David Bingham, did he? <laughs> I don't know. Only in the locker room. Only in the locker room after the games. Um, no, I mean, you know, you know, the Galaxy are leaning heavily on Pavone. Guillermo talked about it. He says, you know, we understand he's doing amazing things, and he's doing it with all of the uh, attention focused on him. Um, so... You know, sort of. I, I know that there were reports in Argentina that apparently uh, the two teams, uh, Boca Juniors, who I think just had 19 positive COVID-19 tests. I believe that was that was what I saw today. That may be totally. I saw it on Twitter scrolling by, and I went back to go grab it, and it like disappeared before I could grab it. Um, so that that may or may not be true, but I saw that. Uh, but apparently, Boca Juniors and the LA Galaxy are in discussions to try to keep Pavone. Um, but you know, there was some there was some Argent Argentine like you know sort of head shaking with. They're like, it's too bad. Pavone is so good with how bad Major League Soccer is. You know, the normal stuff you hear from people who think that their leagues are so much better than Major League Soccer. Um, oh, by the way, I just have an interesting quote that goes with that. It's pretty funny. I have a story about, um, you and I talked about, about Ralph Felcher and his wife, who uh, his uh, his wife's father unfortunately died of COVID-19. And there's a little thing that Ralph did for her. But anyway, he was telling, uh, he had set up the surprise for his wife that involved a, um, a WhatsApp call. And uh, he told her, the wife, that, you know, he's getting this big call and he wanted her to, to be around for it. And her response was something to the effect of, are you going to a good team now? Oh, <laughs> come on. Why, he, why he, the shade? He, he, he immediately told me, you know, like a, a big team in Europe. That's what we were talking about. <laughs> no, I understand. That, that's fine. Uh, yeah, by the way, you should, I, I hate to say this out loud, but I will tell I'm afraid that if I tell you this, that your head's going to get big. Okay, so I just want you it's to understand. Big with my COVID hair now and everything. Yeah, it's yeah. By the way, that was funny. All the reporters needed haircuts whenever we got to the stadium. Yeah, that, everybody except you. You were the only one that looked decent. Uh, Kevin, I need a haircut so bad that I'm pretty sure my wife is buzzing it off tomorrow. So I'm, I'm, I'm there. It needs cleaned up. It needs, it needs. See, this is what happens when you have thinning hair, Kevin. Whenever it grows real long, people can't tell. Um, no, I'm going to tell you this. Your article about Rolf Felcher. Uh, which you should you should go read at latimes.com. If you go into our Discord, somebody posted it there. I didn't post it. Somebody else did it. And you're actually getting compliments on a story no way. from Galaxy fans. So I, again, I don't want you to think that this is something that's going to happen every time because it's not. Um, but you, you at least right now, uh, the Rolf Felcher stories is playing well with LA Galaxy fans. So I don't know, I don't know which god you prayed to in order to make that happen. But you know, hey, you did something, so I'm well, sure you'll effort, sc- effortless, effortlessly unfunny. Yeah, I was going to say about COVID. Just give you ten minutes. I'm sure you'll turn that around here on this podcast. <laughs> so not a problem. So um, the LA Galaxy get the three two win again. A, a lot of positives for me. There's a lot of things in this that just went through my mind. Sebastian Legette playing well. Um, you know, there's this there's this argument I think with Sebastian Legette, Kevin, that he's like, oh well, he's showing the haters, um, you know, what it's all about. And I'm like, okay, he can show the the haters what it was all about. But Sebastian Legette has been fairly unexciting for about oh I don't know since 2017 since he got injured in 2017. Um, he has been, everybody's been waiting for him to get back. Everybody's been waiting for him to make the step forward. And every time we're like, this is the year he makes a step forward. This is the year it happens. It hasn't. Um, the position he's in and what Guillermo's asking him to do seem to finally be making sense. Uh, and so the last two games, Sebastian Legette has done everything that the Galaxy could have asked for and more. And if he continues this, he's worth the price peg of the targeted allocation money. And quite honestly, he gets to be a number 10. 
Um, you know, I still think the Galaxy might go out and look for a central attacking midfielder, and then you'd have to figure out where Sebastian Lejet fits in the lineup. But at the same time, if he's going to play this way and he's going to do what he's been doing, which is breaking open passes, finding the open guy, you know, being dangerous on the offensive side of things, uh, pushing the play forward, uh, being dangerous, you know, with just the way that he is trying to open space and where his runs are. So all these things combined means that Sebastian Lejet is doing well. That's a that's a good thing, and I think that's only a good thing for the LA Galaxy. But to say that people were like unfairly criticizing Sebastian Lejet, I think is a stretch um, because, you know, as much of a, a, as a great guy that he is, which he is. Um, and, and as much as he cares about the LA galaxy, you can hear it whenever you talk to him about it. Uh, you know, he had, he hadn't been playing, playing well. So, um, but, but I, let I, me ask yeah. you, some, let me ask you something about him though, because it, this is the one way I like to judge players. I mean, it, you know, there are people that are otherworldly talented like Pavone and then other people that, that, you know, really shouldn't be on the field. Sebastian is a little bit of both. I mean, sometimes he plays like you wonder what he's thinking, and other times he's he's out of this world. But one thing about Sebastian Lejet, tell me one time when you don't think he was given 150%. Oh, yeah. I mean, he he yeah, yeah. always is given 100 It may not work out for him. He may not be rewarded, but you can never question his uh, devotion and uh, work ethic and work rate. Uh, he has always given everything, and, and that's why he's one of my favorite players, because he never takes a minute off. Yeah, no, you're, you're 100% right. I think that's an important point to put out, though, um, which is it's not always about the effort because you can work really hard. And the Galaxy have talked about this. They've worked really hard, but not smartly, right? And they ha- didn't have the mental side of things and understood. So you can run a whole bunch. Um, but it doesn't mean that you're doing anything, right? And a lot of times with with what we've seen from the LA Galaxy was, hey, I'm going to give 100%. Uh, I'm going to come up short because I'm not doing the correct thing, not in the right space, uh, not in the right place at the right time. Uh, and, you know, mentally, I'm not locked in with this game. Um, and I think that goes for, for, if you go back and look at what the LA Galaxy were doing at the beginning of the season, that was it. They worked extremely hard um, for most of those games. And I think that they ran out of steam in a bunch of those games. And I think that, Substitutes certainly would have helped, um, you know, in Orlando and different things. But looking at what they're doing now is they're so much smarter with when they're pressing, when they're trying to push the pace and when they're going to sit low in their block and just, you know, absorb the pressure and take it all, you know, and and be physical on their challenges. They're running less now, uh, but the effort is higher and it's smarter. Um, and I think that's with Sebastian Legette. He, I think he's running less, but he's in the right spots. He's finding the right passes, and the passes aren't always going backwards or sideways. Um, so a lot of things are going right for him. And I think that can only help the LA Galaxy because if you're going to spend that much money on a domestic player, um, you know, a targeted allocation money contract, then you need to get a performance out of them. I mean, it was the same thing with Perry Kitchen, which was if you're going to spend that much on a defense, you need to get something out of it. And Perry Kitchen has come alive in the last couple of games. Uh, Sebastian Legette has come alive in the last couple of games. Um, so it's been it's been fun to see. Never about effort, but I think the the ideas of where they're headed and how they're doing that um, is, is starting to come uh, for them now. And and I, and I think that's a I think that's a positive for everybody involved. And I think this could be uh, causing Sebastian Legette's stock to rise a little bit with the national team. You know, he's been in and out, in and out. Certainly that midfield is super deep. Uh, the national team, you know, Pulisic, Wesson McKinney, all, all the guys that they have. Uh, but I think Sebastian is the, is trying to convince Greg Berhalter that he at least deserves a call up and a look in camp. Yeah, it very well could. Um, do you want to hear an interesting uh, a, a good listener of the show emailed me as I was driving home from the game on Saturday night and said, hey, Josh, didn't know if you were paying attention to this, but if you look at the starting lineup the LA Galaxy had, uh, not only did they technically have 
uh, nine domestic players. Rolf doesn't really count because he's international, but he's on a green card. So um, he, he technically counts as a domestic player. So we'll, we'll just, just say eight domestic players. Of the eight domestic players that didn't include Rolf Felcher, right, that seven of those players came from California. Seven of the players came from California. Only one player uh, that's a domestic player uh, that isn't Rolf Felcher. Uh, it was was not from California there, and that was uh, Perry Kitchen, who's from Indiana. So the LA Galaxy not only have the local talent, but ex- not even have not only have the domestic talent. And if you look at the amount of internationals the Galaxy have on the field or, or have on the roster. We've seen it where Kevin, there's like you know, there's there's no domestic players out there. There's like David Bingham and and Dan Starrs, and that's it, right? We've seen that lineup where it's all um, international players, certainly. But if you look at this, there was a California contingent on that field um, of domestic players of eight, and seven of them came coming from California. That's impressive. Yeah, that that's pretty interesting. That's a good stat. I know it was a very so the but, uh, tip the tip of the hat to the listener who sent that in. That was a. Uh, that was very good. And uh, I would tell you who that is, but you, that person doesn't want, want you to know who it is. So it's not like I'm trying to steal something. I'm oh, just, it was anonymous. It was an anonymous anonymous listener of, of our show. So it was it was excellent. It was a great stat. And then I looked up more stuff because I wanted to see. The Galaxy only have two, having two internationals on the field um, you know, in that lineup is is kind of crazy too with, with Christian Pavone um, as one of them and Ensua is the other international. Rolf, again, is an international, but he has a green card, so he counts as a domestic player in Major League Soccer. Um, I, I just think I think all that stuff is just just crazy weird whenever it happens, and, and it escaped me whenever I was looking at it. And it flies in the face of the apparent efforts to stock the team with every player who's ever been to Argentina. <laughs> it does. It's weird, and you look at the success. This is why I was screaming, and I will, I will absolutely... Um, I will absolutely look at uh, or I absolutely keep tooting my own horn whenever this comes about, um, which is that I told you don't touch the domestic defenders. Leave them where they're at. People are still trying to go out there and get a center back for somebody. I'm like, you have Nick Depew, you have uh, you have Dan Steres, right? You have Rolf on one side, you have Ansu on the other side. Leave that defense alone. If you want to get some backups and do that, that's fine. But as far as the starting lineup, you have your starting defense. And if you can ride the, the rise of domestic players, you have so much flexibility on the international side you can do what bruce did which was bring internationals off the bench as as subs um and you know had a lot of success doing that so again for a team that seemed uh hell-bent on having all the internationals and then like you said all the guys from argentina um it was uh it was an interesting thing to look at whenever you looked at the starting lineup and certainly that email keyed it off and went through it so uh, a lot of interesting things all right i want to transition because we spent a lot of time talking about a whole bunch of stuff uh san jose all that stuff i want to get to a little bit of weekly schedule stuff so that we understand where the la galaxy are going because it's going to be uh important so um you know w- one of the things uh before i even get to the schedule because if i talk about the schedule kevin's going to want to tell you about how the la galaxy are traveling on wednesday and he's got all that information. i know i know i know i know i know, I know. I, yeah i know i know that's why so i'm not going to talk about that for a second i want to do standings real quick uh, the LA Galaxy were at one time the bottom of the Western Conference, now sitting in ninth position uh, with playoff eight, spot. Yeah, a playoff spot, correct? And uh, and they're at with at eight points. I, a win over the Portland Timbers would bring them to eleven points, and Portland has eleven points. So um, there's a good chance the LA Galaxy could ratchet back up that uh, that that leaderboard there uh, and get a little bit higher. And then if you're looking at the supporter shield, uh, the LA Galaxy were 25th at one time. Now they're 18th in that supporter shield. So making the climb. 
doing a little doing little things here and there that seem to be working. Uh, the other thing I want to get to is just a, a little bit. I think you talked about it, Kevin. You talked about Chicharito and, and his injury. Uh, Gamer Bear Scalotto did rule him out for the Portland game. That's not a surprise. Uh, again, says that he thinks that he will be at some point this week training with the full team. Uh, he doesn't know about the LAFC game, but basically when he said that, that seems like he's not going to be ready for the LAFC game as well. Don't know. Might get some minutes, but it seems like that's probably there. But he is close to returning. Um, of course, we heard that last week as well. So we'll see if that plays out this time and if Chicharito can maybe find himself on the bench or at least be very close. So whenever the LA Galaxy have their next games um, after Portland and after LAFC, it's a way to the San Jose Earthquakes on Sunday, September th- 13th. That seems like that might be the chance there. And then they have the makeup game, which, Kevin, uh, you, you you found out or, or at least you you know that they don't know yet, I believe. Is, they don't is know yet. Part of the problem is that Seattle has a Thursday game coming up. Uh, LAFC was able to be schedule its game with RSL immediately because they both had, uh, you know, a midweek off and Seattle doesn't have that. And Thursday is a particularly tough day because if you, if you're playing Thursday, you really can't play Saturday or Sunday. And if you're playing Thursday, it's tough to play the previous Saturday or Sunday games are scheduled already. That, that may be one of those games that's pushed back into phase two. Uh, we don't know the phase two schedule yet. And we'll talk a little bit about why we don't know that, but uh, I'm thinking that it both with the Seattle game and with Chicharito, uh, that may all happen in phase two. I, I don't see Guillermo rushing Chicharito back even for that. He, you're right. The September 13th is the most likely one. But if they hit a stretch where they're going to play three or four games in the span of like 10 days in right. phase two, maybe you give Chicharito one more game off so that he's healthy for that stretch. Why burn him in that game and then have him maybe with fitness issues not be able to come back and play in two of the next four games? You know what I mean? So yeah. I think they, they wait at least until they see how – how extensive that phase two schedule will be at the start before they decide what to do with Chicharito. Yeah, we don't know what phase two is. Basically, all the teams are basically going to have to play about two games a week from here on out uh, to get to the the playoffs in order to get all their games in. So you can get used to, you know, uh, a, a weekend, midweek, a weekend, midweek uh, game schedule that's coming up. So be prepared for that as you go forward. Uh, Guillermo also talked briefly about uh, Yoni Gonzalez. Uh, it's not great because you're not going to like the answer, but basically he says he's not in the U.S. and he doesn't know when he will be and he doesn't have a time available for that. And he seems to be sort of taking the approach that when he's here, he's here. And when he's not, I'm not worried about it. It's not my thing to worry about. Well, uh, Julian Araujo made that uh, much less of an issue, I think. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, ultimately, I think that when you Yona Gonzalez comes in to this team, he's going to start. He's going to start at right mid, and that's going to push Rolf Felcher to the bench because right now, as far as I'm concerned, GBS has made a decision that Julian Araujo is, is going to be the starter at right back whenever that decision has to be made. And quite honestly, if, and I don't know if I said it in the beginning, but if Julian Araujo keeps this up, uh, you're going to see Julian Araujo in an LA Galaxy uniform for this year and next year. And then you're going to see Julian Araujo in Europe somewhere because there's no way he's staying. He may be gone the summer of next year if he continues to play uh, and continues to progress the way he is. You don't know what happens. You don't know how his confidence goes. But right now, confidence is sky high and this kid is ready to tear people apart. Well, and I could see him playing in the Bundesliga. And here's another thing to think about with Julian Araujo. He told me uh, a while ago, you know, he's eligible to play for both Mexico and the U.S., and he was called up for the U.S. in that uh, February 1st friendly, the only game the U.S. has played this year. He did not play, hence he is not cap-tied to the U.S. national team. Uh, he's still eligible to play for Mexico, and he told me that um, he would love to play for the U.S., but his parents' country is Mexico, and he would feel honored to be invited to play to Me- with Mexico. He doesn't really seem to have 
a strong loyalty to one or the other. He told me whoever calls him in and gives him this chance first, um, he will play for them. So I think that I think it's up to we don't know where this kid's going, but he's he's only getting better. I think it's really it would really behoove Greg Berhalter to call him in and start him in the next game, play him one minute, get him off the field, but cap tie him so that he can't go to Mexico. Yeah, I mean, there's that. And there's also the fact that, you know, if the LA Galaxy want to be a selling club, then I think there's people who have eyes on Julian Araujo already right now. Um, So as soon as he is the starter um, on this team, which I expect to happen this year, I think he will be the starter at right back. Um, Although he's been playing a good midfield position over there. That's it's and there's a lot of good things with having a right back who's also a midfielder and the ability to switch with Rolf Felcher. Dan Starris was talking about that switch and just how they both know both positions. So it's not a big deal if one, you know, goes forward, the other one will drop back and cover. It's a very, you know, symbiotic relationship there. But I think Julian Rojo has made all of the right moves to be able to be a starter in this. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if one he becomes a starter and two if he's not with the LA Galaxy for very much longer and I guess three Kevin uh, getting a call up to the to the to either national team uh, would be interesting to see as well although it seems like maybe CONCACAF uh, qualifying is going to be pushed and delayed again um, so trying to get those games in right now those international games uh, made they're thinking about possibly a bubble in the United States to get uh, CONCACAF qualifying for the World Cup so um, a lot of things still up in the air right now as they as they try to press press and, through and that stuff. Julian Araujo is still raising money for farm workers. Absolutely is. Um, and he's engaged. If you get a hold of him on social media, if you have any suggestions, send it to him. He's he's paying attention. I'll tell you that right now. Um, let's see. Real quick on the rumors. There's not much. It's mostly crickets. Uh, Guillermo talked about Messi today. I want to make sure you get the understanding about Messi that he said. So that way you don't read an article tomorrow that says Guillermo says he wants Messi on his team at LA Galaxy. Uh, that Guillermo said beyond all things that have been said lately about the situation his situation with Barcelona. I think we all in general all are all are in general surprised for that decision not to stay, not to keep his relationship with Barcelona because everybody was seeing a life together for Messi and Barcelona. But Messi would have his reasons. Barcelona would have their reasons and it has to be resolved between them. As an Argentinian, I am with Messi always the best and hopefully one day we can see him in MLS. So he's wishing Messi always the best and uh, hopefully see him in MLS. He didn't say he wanted him on the Galaxy, although I think that goes without saying. Uh, but that doesn't mean that Guillermo's out there trying to make uh, Messi come to the LA Galaxy. Just wanted to get out in front of that. All right. Uh, Kevin, the LA Galaxy will travel up to Portland on Wednesday. Before we get into they the will. game, they will. They I will. I know. I know. I you, know exactly how they're going to do it. Yeah. So, so tell us, because this is obviously, this is different. And we've talked about how this is different. We talked about how the travel is different, but you, you have all the details. So go for it. Well, yeah, everything is different because uh, MLS has learned from the Major League Baseball experiment. Major League Baseball, as we as we know, they're playing in empty stadiums as well, but they are traveling the old way. From, they're taking charters, but they're traveling city to city. They're staying in the city for three or four days. Um, they're able to go outside, go to Starbucks, do whatever. They're supposed to be careful. But as we talked about, this uh, this virus is is very sneaky and unpredictable. So a lot of Major League Baseball players are getting COVID and games are being canceled. MLS wants to avoid that. So typically an MLS team would fly the day before the game. So LAF or Galaxy plays on Wednesday. They probably would have flown up to uh, Portland on Tuesday just to avoid any problems at the airport, make sure that they get there. They would fly up there Tuesday. They would stay overnight. They would play the game. Then if they can get a commercial flight back at night, if there's not, uh, you know, if the airports don't don't shut down, and some of them do, like Orange County does, um, then they would fly back either Wednesday night or th- even Thursday morning, meaning to go play Portland, you could spend two days in a hotel, 
you know, go to the local Starbucks, do all those things. Everything has changed now. Typically, uh, the, gal- the way the Galaxy would travel, and I've been on road trips with them before, everybody would get to the airport on their own, drive their own car, meet in the terminal, um, get onto a commercial flight where, you know, the Glenn and Donovan sitting in the middle seat. I've seen that before on a Southwest flight. They fly to the city. They all pile into one bus. They go to a hotel, sleep two to a room in a hotel, free to go out to restaurants and other area, things in the area, uh, able to do whatever they want when there's not a team function. Um, it's changed this time. What they're going to do now is they're going to meet at Dignity Health Sports Park, park their cars there. Everyone's going to get on a bus. They have to wear a mask. There's two buses instead of one bus. The traveling contingent is no more than, I think, 28 people. Um, everyone has to wear a mask. Everyone gets, uh, maybe it's a little bit more, but it's it's limited. Everybody has their own se- row on the bus. Everyone has to wear a mask. They take a bus right onto the tarmac. They're going to fly uh, Sun Country. It's a charter. They're taking a 737-800. They'll make the short flight to Portland. Well, they'll be met by two buses on the tarmac in Portland. They'll go to a hotel. The flight's at 10.30, so they'll get there around noon. They'll go to a little afternoon. They'll go to a hotel. Everybody has their own room. They need to go to the room and stay in the room unless there are team functions going on. There'll be a team lunch. There'll be team meetings. Then they go to the stadium. Now, as I've been told, most stadiums like Dignity Health Sports Park, they have one locker room for the teams, but those locker rooms are expandable. In other words, they, you can open it up as with the Chargers and then make it into a football locker room for, you know, enough room for 40 or 60 people so what they're going to do in portland is that locker room has been expanded so that uh, you have the same amount of players uh but in double the size areas the social distancing they will play the game on wednesday and then fly back immediately afterwards back to the airport repeat the procedure buses back to dignity health sports park players will get home uh are to dignity health sports park probably around two in the morning so it's like it's 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 a long 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 day right um but they wake up in their bed wednesday morning they go back to their bed to uh, thursday night it's similar to how teams travel in europe where the distances are much shorter and this is the mls protocol there's a lot of things that the uh, administrative people in mls have to do there's a, a a whole protocol that's laid out rules that they have to follow that's the way they travel. Now, this is, as we talked about, phase one. The, uh, the longest road trip for anyone in phase one is uh, LAFC to Seattle. That's the longest road trip there is in Seattle down to play the Galaxy. Um, when they go to phase two, things are going to change a little bit, and that's why we don't have the phase two schedule yet because no one's quite sure where COVID is going. Phase two is going to involve travel across uh, time zones. And so if the Galaxy say go to Houston, not only is that a longer flight, you, and you're looking at six hours to and from in the air, plus playing the game, but you have to you know, worry about the, the time change, which right. is going to cause problems too. So phase two is likely to include overnight stays. And that's why you haven't seen the phase two schedule, because we're not sure whether uh, it's safe enough to have overnight stays and in which city can you, which cities and states can you have those kind of overnight stays. Uh, and so that's where it is now. You know, ML, it, one of the things the admin for the Galaxy told me is that this is going to make it difficult to go back to the other way because they're flying charters now and we know why. And I'm sure people are not happy about the mask and some of the long days. But next year they're going to say, Hey, Rolf Felcher. Hey, uh, you know, uh, Emiliano Sua, let's go to the airport and get on a Southwest flight and let's set everyone in every seat uh, crowded and let's get our own bags from the terminal and all that kind of stuff. That's going to be difficult to go back to when they've spent, uh, you know, nine charter, 10 charter flights this year. The genie is out of the bottle. 
Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll see how that uh, all goes down. It's gonna be a t I mean, this is why the LA Galaxy will not be favored in this game. This is why if you can get a port uh, point in Portland, Kevin, then you're the happiest LA Galaxy people ever. I, I think that that's a reasonable thing. If you get a win, I mean, you know, nine points out of three games would almost make anything that I've said before this seem like I was a moron. Uh, but we were all there. We all remember where we were at with the LA Galaxy whenever that happened. Uh, the Portland Timbers are only three points ahead of the LA Galaxy. Uh, they're three. Two and two, the LA Galaxy two three and two. Uh, the Galaxy are one one and one on the road in quotation marks this year. Uh, Portland Timbers at home are two two and one. We talked about the last game played against Real Salt Lake. Uh, Portland was winning that game four to two in the ninetieth minute. A goal was scored in the ninetieth minute and one, I believe, four minutes into stoppage time uh, that ended up tying that game four to four. So an eight goal game. And if you go back. Uh, Portland had been smacked by Seattle before that. Uh, Seattle doing a lot of smacking lately, as a matter of fact, also uh, downed LAFC. So uh, the Galaxy may have been lucky to sort of dodge Seattle when they did. Um, and if they come back and do stuff, we'll see how how that goes. So uh, anyway, it's uh, it's very, very, uh, it's going to be a very interesting game. This game uh, kicks off 7.30 p.m. It is on Spectrum Sportsnet. We've already talked about some of the issues i don't know that there's a laker game in the way so as of right now we imagine that it's on regular spectrum Sportsnet. that could change so just keep an eye on that um i don't know what the schedule is and we haven't been alerted of any change as of right now so so a midweek game september 2nd 2020 uh against the portland timbers so on turf um, you know, again, flying up, flying back all the same day, all that stuff. This is going to put a real strain on the LA Galaxy. So we'll see how they uh, how they handle sort of that first road trip and whether or not they can carry the confidence uh, that they've had in the last two games uh, into that Portland game. And obviously, uh, you know, Diego Chara and Diego Valeri and uh, Jeremy Obobosi, uh as well, Sebastian Blanco. Um, they have some good players and they're a good team. Uh, certainly were a, a difficult game whenever the Galaxy played them in the MLS's back tournament um, and a game that they probably should have had the Galaxy should have had maybe a little better result. So uh, it'll be the Portland Timbers and LA Galaxy coming up on Wednesday. So You know uh, what? If, yeah. they, if they don't use Chera and Valeri, then the Timbers would be Sands Diego's. They would. <laughs> Effortlessly humorous, as we say. Um, well, I wanted to slow you down because it's clear that you're rushing to get this thing over with so you can get back to your unmasked family. Yes, yes. I love I love how you shame me for, for doing taking all precautions and doing all the stuff I was supposed to do. Um, no, it, it's a... It's, it's going to be a difficult game for them. You know, the big deal that we talked with uh, or that I asked Guillermo today was I'm like, listen, you have a lot of these games. Your, your team is very physical. You're going to go play on turf. You know, is, could there be some rotation in this? And Guillermo basically screamed at me. No, he didn't scream at me. He just, he just said, no. Um, he says, I don't want to change things just for change. He goes, in my mind, four days is enough to recover the body physically. He goes, and in, in my opinion, basically, is that uh, that it's not the uh, it's not the body that tends to let down whenever you're playing these rapid-fire games. It's the mental side of things. He goes, so I'll talk to players. Maybe some of them will be tired, and if they're tired, then we'll look at alternates. Uh, maybe I need to get some more minutes for some other people. But ultimately, Guillermo basically came out and said, rotation, I don't need no stinking rotation. Um, so I would expect if everybody is healthy, uh, unless he wants to insert somebody like Jonathan Dos Santos into the starting lineup and give him 60 minutes, um, unless he wants to do something differently that as of right now, you would expect an almost similar lineup. Um, in fact, almost the same lineup, uh, coming back against Portland. So be prepared for that 
as well. Um, that's it. I'm good. I, 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 I've talked to all the galaxy. I can talk, talk today. Well, when you leave there to go back to your unmasked family members, you have to leave the air conditioned room you're in now. You realize that, right? Dude, I have four air conditioners in this place now. It's not even an issue. Okay. Like I'm good. And it's, by the it's, way, it's actually nice out right now. I was going to say, by the way, it's cold out. Like I had to close the windows cause the, bre- the ocean breeze was coming. Oh, poor me. Oh, poor Josh having to deal with the ocean breeze. So anyway, uh, yeah, the LA galaxy, uh, play against Portland yeah, on you, Wednesday. You, you were cold at the game on Saturday, and, and I had and I, I had to wear a sweatshirt. I, yes. Yeah, I with my with my blubber and my panda fur. Yes. I had no problem. I think I that was, was very warm. Panda was toasty. Panda padding. That's what that's yeah, what you have the that's panda what it padding. Is, yes. Um. So we'll get there. All right. Uh. Let's see. I think that's it. Uh. Anything else? You good? I'm good. I'm always good. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. Head on over to the LA Times where you can read an article about Rolf Voucher, some singing, and, uh, and a good deed that uh, Rolf did for his wife. So it's a, it's a good story. Panda actually got one right. What do you know? Uh, head on over to the latimes.com for that story. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com, or you can join us on our LA Galaxy Discord. The link for that will be in the show notes. Um, lots of people in there, over 500 people now, so you can join us and talk about the LA Galaxy all the time there as well. So, for Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Guess when you've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo. And on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.